1: Today on The Timeline, DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges, RIP the Miami pick, and Time to Rise. Let's go.
0: NBA draft. The Phoenix Suns select DeAndre Ayton from Nassau Bahamas and the University of Arizona. You
1: came to the States and you said you wanted to find a job to help your family in the Bahamas, and you've accomplished that goal. What does it mean in this moment?
2: I mean, it means the world to me. Um, you know, uh, my family. And coaches know the hard work I put in this game to really try and be successful and achieve all my goals. And, you know, um, we put God first in everything we do. No matter what type of trials and tribulations we went through, we always had faith in everything we do to be successful.
1: When you first showed up, you were called Tall for Nothing, TFN. That's what coaches, that's what players called you. And now it's come full circle. Uh, What did you have to do to make it into this moment?
2: I mean, really to try to prove people wrong and, you know, just stick to what I do. Um, Just uh, work on my craft every day, take pride in it and, you know, represent my country the best way I can.
1: All right, you played high school in Arizona, you played college at Arizona, and now you get to start your professional yeah. career with Phoenix. What does it mean it to mean, start it out there?
2: It means a lot to me because, you know, the fans out there are amazing. They're the best fans in the world. And, you know, um, I really want to go to the Phoenix. uh, I'm really happy to be a part of the Phoenix Suns now to really start a winning legacy with Devin Booker and Josh Jackson and all those other guys. And they're great. You know, we're a young team, and we're ready. You know, I'm just happy to be a Phoenix Sun.
1: All right, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Shaq and Kobe 2.0. Shaq and Kobe, Josh Jackson, and all those other guys. The Suns finally had the most hyped draft in franchise history, My name is Mike. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. Sam,
3: the draft. The draft. Mike. It finally happened. (laughs) It finally happened. And Mike, I'm feeling really good right now. We talked about what would make for a successful draft on our episode last week. And frankly, I think Ryan McDonough hit a home run here and easily exceeded all expectations that we even had for him. I mean, we were thinking maybe there would be some sort of a Other trade you know like trading for a veteran or something at at one point we were questioning whether we were actually going to walk away with you know three rookies who could get substantial playing time next year but you know the three guys we got are three really good prospects and I'm excited to detail all of them with you tonight
1: yeah this is this is our playoffs Uh, I I feel like I've been (laughs) thinking about
3: playoffs unfortunately this is my playoffs (laughs) I waited all year for this, and now we're going to validate ourselves by talking about it. We have literally been talking about this
1: since probably late October of 2017. Uh, it's nice that we actually finally get to get to try to win uh, from now on. Uh, now, of course, the Suns selected University of Arizona uh, center, or power forward, center in the NBA, DeAndre Ayton with the number one pick. Now, that seems to be the popular pick. I was actually at the arena today for the draft party, um, Talking Stick Resort Arena, the worst name in all of sports. And the crowd is very, very happy with DeAndre And In fact, at the mere mention of Luka Doncic, there was boos and groans. <laughs> <laughs> Even when they showed his face, there were a few... Oh groans which is hard to believe he just looks like such a nice boy I don't know he, he looks friendly uh, but uh, people did not like him in that arena so DeAndre Ayton going first which apparently has been in the works for a long time according to Twitter uh, that that made everybody very very happy and, and it made me happy too I know we talked about it a little bit on uh, the last podcast but let's talk a little bit about DeAndre Ayton's fit on the team now that we know for sure that he is the number one pick. Now, we need a center, obviously. Um, no offense to Alex Len, but I don't think he's lived up to the uh, top 10 pick that it took to get him. And now we have someone that could potentially live up to that. What do you think about his fit?
3: Yeah, I mean, at the first overall pick, you don't even draft for fit. You draft for the best available player. The Suns need as much top talent as they can get. And it was undeniable to me that DeAndre Ayton is that guy. With all due respect to Luka Doncic, who I do think is going to be a high-level player in the NBA for a long time, Ayton, you know, we we've talked about it in the past. Again, last week, he's seven-one with a seven-five wingspan. Um, demonstrated great, polished offensive ability on uh, in the post, as well as with a mid-range jump shot. The three-point shot is still a work in progress. Uh, but his freshman year at Arizona, averaging twenty and ten. Of course, we know that there are some concerns about his defense, and that is going to be something that he will have to continue to work on over the next several years as he transitions to the NBA. But there is no doubt in my mind that DeAndre Ayton, if he achieves his potential, him and Booker could be a hell of a one-two scoring punch that you can really bound, uh, build a foundation on for this franchise going forward, and then surround those two with the right players, the the right role players who just, you know, do simple things. Let All those, those other guys yeah all those all those other guys as the ESPN uh as Aiden said in the ESPN interview but those two could really carry the scoring <laughs> load for us for a long time you know as a Suns fan it actually made me kind of uncomfortable to see national media talking so much about the Suns yeah yeah it's probably the first time since you know 2010 it's it was a a bit of a shock i mean at the beginning of the second round when the Suns took Eliakobo, Kobo, and so you know since we haven't said it yet the Suns uh, ended up taking Zaire Smith, the 16th pick, but then traded him to Philadelphia along with a future first-round pick in 2021 that belongs to the Heat for Mikael Bridges, uh, and who was selected 10th by Philadelphia and then took Kobo 31st. Uh, we are currently recording this before the official end of the draft, so we do not know who the Suns have taken with the 59th pick yet. Um, But just to continue from where I was when the Suns took a Kobo 31st Chauncey Billups was sitting there for ESPN talking about how the Suns have done a fantastic job stocking up on on talent in this draft and I was like what what where is all this praise coming from because it's just like the national media has not been kind to Phoenix fans for the past few years.
1: It's it's kind of undeniable at this point. Uh, we have, of course, Devin Booker. That's our franchise cornerstone currently. And then potentially DeAndre Ayton being the other cornerstone. Of course, we have Josh Jackson, but there's Josh Jackson. Well, he's shown flashes and obviously was drafted because of his potential, has not necessarily shown he can be that cornerstone. So building around a shooting guard and a center, that's a formula for success that we've seen in the NBA over and over and over again. And while we obviously have Marquise, Chris, Dragan, Bender, maybe they haven't lived up to where they were selected in the draft. They were also selected as some of the youngest players in the draft, both of them at the time. So it's not really something that we can say they are busts yet. I think they're, well, they've been kind of productive so far. They definitely have shown flashes and an ability to be productive. So if you look at a team as a whole, from the national media standpoint, you have to acknowledge that we have two potential cornerstones a really high potential uh, player in Josh Jackson, and then uh, two players that could potentially be uh, maybe not all stars but contributors on good teams in the future and it's difficult to say that that McDonough's done a bad job uh, at, at all in fact, you know I actually had it later on our outline, but let's talk a little bit about McDonough so far. the entire time that he's been with the Suns has led to this moment, I believe drafting DeAndre Ayton with the number 1 pick. Do you agree with
3: that? Yeah. Yeah. I do.
1: It's it's difficult to judge him as a GM until right now or or at least after we see DeAndre Ayton play in the NBA because he's traded a lot of players to try and lose. Um he's even asked players to sit out at the end of the season uh to try and lose uh games and and the whole goal of all of those moves was eventually to get a high enough pick to to draft a superstar player. So there's a lot riding on this draft for McDonough, and, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what comes out of
3: it. Yeah, the funny thing about Ryan McDonough's tenure so far with the Suns is arguably we have yet to see exactly what Josh Jackson will become, and I suspect that he will turn into a very good player. But arguably the best players that um, McDonough has picked so far came at the 13 and 14 spots respectively with Devin Booker and TJ Warren during those seasons where I really think Ryan McDonough came in to the organization in 2013 and just wanted to tank. You could tell by the way that roster was constructed for the 2013-14 season. Uh, but then Goran Dragic ended up being good. Miles Plumley ended up being okay. Gerald Green ended up being okay. And all of a sudden, we sort of were held back for a couple of seasons chasing the uh, chasing the eighth seed, which we never got. When really, I think McDonough has been trying to get this number one pick for years and now he's finally achieved it so like you said Mike this with only two years left on his contract is an absolutely huge make or break off season for Ryan McDonough as he tries to set this team up for the long term yeah never forget that his
1: one of his first moves was trading Gortat for nothing yeah essentially trading
3: Gortat for the (laughs) uh, corpse of Emeka Okafor who never played for us and a first round pick that was used (laughs) on Tyler Ennis um so <laughs> yeah, yeah and and think about it that was the season where the suns missed the they went 48 and 34 and they missed the eighth seed by one mm-hmm. game due to dallas and memphis i believe made it before us with gortat that team easily wins two or three extra games makes the playoffs but that wasn't the goal the goal was to tank and we just failed at it
1: right winning by accident uh that was
3: his legacy for
1: uh, the early stages of his career. Now we'll see what it's if he's if it's possible for him to win on purpose. Uh, this this next season will will show us. So now we have DeAndre Ayton, number one, and uh, obviously McDonough has done some uh, interesting things to try and build a team around that already uh, in this draft. The biggest thing that happened, maybe the biggest trade in the whole draft, except for maybe the Luka Doncic trade, which we'll talk about at some point here, but the biggest trade, as far as Suns fans are concerned, was for Mikhail Bridges, and that trade was the 16th pick, Zaire Smith, who ended up being the 16th pick, and the Miami 2021 unprotected pick. Now, people (laughs) tend to feel uh, a lot of different ways about that pick, but most Suns fans were pretty excited about using that pick. How do you feel about this trade?
3: I feel great about it. And I think it's a fair trade. Uh, You know, I can see why the Sixers did it too. So I understand why Suns fans are a little bit apprehensive about giving up that 2021 Miami pick when in our little bag of treats that McDonough has assembled, it's one of the most appealing assets we have especially with a report coming out a few days ago that that 2021 draft class might be stacked because that might be the year that the NBA does away with the one and done rule. So you have like sort of a double size freshman class because you'll have prospects entering from high school as well. In which case, that's a that's a great asset for Philly to have. Additionally, I was really big on Zaire Smith. So when we first picked him up because I wasn't tuning into Twitter all night, I wanted to get natural reactions from the broadcast. I just wanted to watch the broadcast and see what was happening. When I heard that we got Zaire Smith instead of Dante DiVincenzo, I was psyched because we talked about Zaire Smith um, and his potential as a great 3D player going forward on the podcast last week. And then I was like, oh, wait, he's being traded. Who are we getting for it? We're getting Mikhail Bridges. Mikhail Bridges is an, is an advanced version of Zaire Smith. We're talking about a 6'7 guy with a 7'2 wingspan, incredibly athletic. He's older, admittedly, and he's going to be 22 years old when he starts as a rookie on the Suns, but. He's a guy who worked his absolute butt off to develop a three-point shot, become a much more polished defensive player over the past few years, which makes me think that maybe he's not done growing yet and that he's just a late bloomer who still has more development in him. Bottom line is Mikael Bridges might not be exactly the star complement to Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton uh, in terms of like creating for himself offensively, but he's a guy who's going to make a two-way impact immediately and who immediately addresses our needs of defense and three-point shooting. So, you know, given that, I think
1: absolutely the
3: Miami pick was, you know, a fine price to pay.
1: Almost never can you say the best perimeter defender in the draft, potentially the best perimeter defender in the draft, is also one of the best shooters in the draft. I absolutely love this trade. It's amazing. It's, it's more than I could have asked for uh, from this 16th pick. Now, on the last podcast, you will remember that I did predict that we would trade this pick. I just didn't expect McDonough to uh, select a player at 16. The players 1 through 10 just had more value in my mind, and he's on a short contract. I mean, we'll be honest. He traded the 2021 pick, and his contract is only through 2020. He might not be here on the Suns to see that pick through, Without this Mikael Bridges trade, because this is the type of trade that could take your team to the next level. It's a really, really great pick. And I think Mikael Bridges could be... He has star potential. That's the other thing that we should say. He's not just a great player currently someone who could contribute immediately due to his age. He spent some time in college. He's also won at the highest level in college and proven that he can be very effective at the college level. He's a great defender. He's a great shooter. And he's an advanced stats king. The advanced stats show he's one of the best players. If you look at, there's a stat called box plus minus, And the idea of box plus minus is that it fully... Rates players based on all aspects. So similar to PER, but it also factors in your effect on uh, defense, offense, everything is sort of factored in. And if you look at Mikhail Bridges' box plus minus, he's higher than Anthony Davis, than Carl Anthony Towns, Victor Oladipo, players that you would not expect him to be better than. Of course, this is an advanced stat. He's not going to be better than Anthony Davis or Carl Anthony Towns right off the bat, but his contribution to winning is there. We can see it in the stats we could see it in his game and he's big um, but we should talk a little bit about this because he is a small forward maybe potential to play power forward down the line but that means that we have a bit of a log jam at small forward we have josh jackson we have mikhail bridges and we have tj warren all three guys have starting small forward potential I think that it's clear that Josh Jackson is part of the future, part of the timeline, if you will. But what about T.J. Warren? What do you think this means for T.J. Warren? Well, I
3: don't want to definitively say that this means it's the end for T.J. Warren, but it it definitely means, I think, that the front office is considering it. You look at a player like Mikhail Bridges, he's a plus four. yeah, he shot 44% from deep this past season, uh, and he's one of the most switchable defenders that there were. Uh, that there was, excuse me, in college basketball. So he's going to come in and make an impact on that end. Those are the two areas of weakness that we've been talking about with TJ Warren for a very long time in terms of, you know, he's not a great defensive player and he still can't shoot. So we've been talking about TJ Warren before, like maybe fitting in as a sixth man while Josh Jackson gets the starting role. But now you add Bridges to the mix and I could definitely see the Suns trying to shop him for some sort of point guard type player because we still don't have any necessarily any long-term answers at point guard. Uh, Are we still going to call about a player like Kemba? I could definitely see that with TJ Warren being one of the centerpieces that we include in a potential package there.
1: The other option that I'm really excited about is the Devin Booker at point guard lineups that we could potentially run out at this point, because there could be a potential starting lineup of Devin Booker at point guard, Josh Jackson at shooting guard, Mikhail Bridges at small forward, uh, fill in the blank, at power forward, who knows who's going to start at power well, that's forward p- for this team? And then, yeah, De'Andre. that's potentially
3: a way that you could keep TJ Warren. I mean, if TJ just uh, bulks up a tiny bit, he mm-hmm. could play small ball four. It would help if he had more of a shot. But I think Jackson at the two and Bridges at the three. If you're running Devin Booker at the one, those two on the wings is a fantastic combination. Really, when we're talking about switchability on defense, these two are going to put the clamps down on some of the elite uh, forwards and and wings. In the NBA, and it's going to be really exciting to watch this team start to embrace a bit more of a defensive-minded, um, uh, a bit more of a defensive-minded philosophy between these two. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's really nice to have an amazing defender potentially in that lineup that does not affect your spacing in a negative way. That's just a rare thing in a player. One of the most valuable players in the NBA currently are players that are wings who are plus defenders and can also shoot the three. Mikhail Bridges, it should be said, most of his three-point shots were assisted. Over 90%, I believe, they said on the draft uh, today. That is a great thing as well because we do have players that like to have the ball. Uh, Devin Booker, of course, needs the ball. Uh, we benefit from him having the ball. Josh Jackson has that potential to be a bit of a point forward. And then DeAndre Ayton is not going to be the number one pick that doesn't get the ball. He's going to have the ball a lot. So the fact that we have someone who can catch and shoot from the wing and doesn't need the ball all the time to be an effective player, that's a really valuable thing, especially because we've gotten very good at passing out of double teams. Now, Josh Jackson, of course has to learn how to do that. He got a little better at it at the end of the season. He's not used to getting double teamed, especially at the NBA level, but it will come. Devin Booker, Got a lot better at it. It took him three seasons to get good at passing out of the double team. But we've seen DeAndre Ayton do that in college. And the type of pass that DeAndre Ayton likes to pass out of the double team is a a skip pass or a short pass to the corner three for shooters. And that could be Devin Booker. And it could be now Mikael Bridges. Hopefully, eventually, it could be Josh Jackson as well. We'll, I'm sure you saw the Instagram post of Josh Jackson shooting threes. It looks like it's, it's coming along a little bit on that. So it'll be really interesting to see Uh, this team with all those shooters on the floor.
3: Yeah, I think the fit is just going to be great, Mike. I think they're really going to gel together. Uh, Talking about player comparisons a little bit, you look at a player like Mikael Bridges, and I think you see a lot of uh, Robert Covington for the Sixers, what he's been doing there for the past couple of years, just filling that Mm 3-and-D role. Otto Porter for the Wizards maybe is another name you throw out. And I've seen people throw out the name Mm -hmm. Kawhi Leonard as well as like an absolute ceiling. I think that sort of hinges on whether you believe that um, Bridges really isn't done developing because again, he's going to be 22 in his rookie season, which is, uh, absolutely mm-hmm. old, but I mean, look at where this guy was when he first started playing for Villanova, his, uh, freshman year, he shot 30% from three. He was one of the worst shooters in the conference. He averaged six points a game, three rebounds a game. Uh, didn't start for them and then to come so far in just a couple years time to be a guy who last year averaged 18 and 5 was one of the best defenders in conference and one of the best three-point shooters in conference uh, as well as a guy who's always been a consistent free throw shooter too by the way he's just you know potentially a late bloomer there you know maybe he's one of these guys who comes in and even if he's a little older than your average rookie he's going to keep going up and up for a few more years and he will achieve that Jimmy Butler Paul George Kawhi Leonard type potential but i think a guy like Covington or Porter is probably a safer bet
1: absolutely i the one thing i will say uh, for the Covington comparison is that i'm not as afraid of Mikael Bridges handling the ball, maybe on a short roll if he sets picks. I haven't seen if he sets a lot of picks, but if if he catches the ball in space and has to move towards the basket, he can go down and dunk it, but he also has good decision-making ability to uh, pass out on the move. And Robert Covington... uh, I don't know about Sixers fans, but when I was watching him in the playoffs, every time he caught it and had to move towards the basket, I was always a little afraid of a turnover. I wouldn't be as afraid of that with Mikhail Bridges right away. But it remains to be seen because college is, of course, different than the NBA. And uh, NBA defenders are a lot quicker to the ball than college players are used to. So it'll be interesting to see him coming in. It's great, though. We got to see him win. We've seen him win. He's a winner. So it's nice to have a winner on the team right away and we can see what happens. Now, one thing I'm wondering though is if TJ Warren is traded, of course, we can still roll with TJ Warren as we talked about. Maybe he comes off the bench. Maybe he starts at power forward. But say we do trade TJ Warren, do you think it'd be more beneficial to trade him before the season starts uh, instead of Starting the season with him, his minutes going down, and maybe his stats going down as a result of his minutes going down, and then his value kind of plummeting because the NBA at large would know that we don't need TJ Warren. His stats are going down, and then they have us over a barrel. Do you think that trade would happen before the season starts?
3: I think it would. Well, not necessarily. I mean, it could happen at any time. Um, I, I think it'd be nice if we could get a little indication from of, uh before the season starts, like sometime in the off season between now and September, I guess about how he's planning on using all of these players. But I mean, I doubt we're really going to get that. He's just going to roll into training camp, see what he has and try to fit them all together. So if we were adamant on trading TJ Warren, then it would have to come probably sometime in the next couple of months. But I really do like TJ Warren as, as a player and he's been a good player who does. I don't, I'm not one of those people who just thinks he's an empty stats kind of guy. I'll put it like that. he has, mm-hmm. -hmm. Undeniable strengths for this team. But I think it's just about him being able to accept uh, a bench role going forward because now with Jackson and Bridges, I don't particularly see a way in which TJ Warren is still on the Suns in, you know, like 2021, 2022, when we're hopefully playing pretty good winning basketball uh, without just being a guy who gracefully accepts a bench role and is willing to be a spark plug off the bench.
1: Right. Now, what's interesting is how close the Suns actually were to selecting Dante DiVincenzo with that 16th pick. It should be said that the godfather himself, Gambo, actually reported on what happened. He said, crazy final minutes. Suns were selecting DiVincenzo but got a trade call from Philly and instead made the trade with Philly for Mikhail Bridges. He said, literally 30 seconds before announcing Dante, they got the call from Philly. I don't know. I imagine there was some sort of conversations ahead of time. Uh, about that because I can't imagine they would just call and ask for the Miami pick. Although I've never been in a war room before, maybe they would just call and ask for the Miami pick. But it is kind of interesting how close we were to getting DiVincenzo and how much better this draft is with Mikael Bridges instead of DiVincenzo. I would have been happy Way with better. DiVincenzo.
3: But Mikhail Bridges, this is a much, much, much better pick. It's a better version of DiVincenzo. Well, and that's why I said I was confused again when the initial thing was happened because I was preparing myself for DiVincenzo because I heard the rumors. And I said last week, I wouldn't have minded DiVincenzo. He's a bouncy scorer with mm-hmm. good offensive potential. Would have been great to come in. Uh, as a role player off our bench immediately but I preferred Zaire Smith so originally when I heard the Suns were taking Smith at 16 mm-hmm. I was like oh great you know this is better than DiVincenzo you know because I sort of lowered my expectations and Smith is the type of player we need he's a versatile defender yada 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 mm-hmm. PJ tucker and then we got Bridges and I was like oh that's you know even better than Zaire Smith and certainly mm-hmm. better than DiVincenzo but yeah uh, when it comes to Gambo, I think just as an aside, Suns fans might be a little mad at Gambo tonight because it seemed for a second <laughs> like maybe we were trading up for Michael Porter Jr. Uh, yeah, fake news on, on that one. Um, but yeah, all jokes aside, I mean, is it is it a crazy opinion for me to say that I'm? much more stoked about Mikael Bridges joining this team than Michael Porter Jr. Even if Porter Jr. had you know fell to us at 16 and we could have snatched him up, that would have been great. I still would have been going on and on about how great this draft was, but Bridges just fits this team so well. He fits it like a glove, really, in a way that Porter Jr., even if you cast his injury risks aside, I I Mm -hmm. don't know that a guy like him who needs the ball in his hands really would have been the same type of fit.
1: Well, here's what I will say. If we traded the Miami pick for Michael Porter Jr., that would have been a disaster trade to me. It's not that Michael Porter Jr. doesn't have the potential talent to make that worthwhile. It's just drafting Michael Porter Jr. is such a huge risk. Uh, it, It wouldn't have been worth it. To me, the main difference in the two is... Mikael Bridges is, is essentially a guarantee. He He will be an effective NBA player. He may never be a star, but he is the perfect type of role player in the NBA in the way it currently is played, which is a lot of threes and you need switchable defenders. He's the perfect type of player for that. The fact that Michael Porter Jr. did fall all the way to 14 is a bad sign. That means that his back is really bad it's not good uh, enough teams saw those medicals or or supposedly saw those medicals and said uh, no and and if we had traded the miami pick for that it, although if he had fallen to 16 like like you said i, I would have probably said it would have, it, it's a good draft as well because it's worth the risk at that point but this type of mikhail bridges move it's not something that i could have expected and it's way way better in my mind than than getting mpj one thing i will say as well is when Michael Porter Jr. was drafted uh, at 14 by Denver, there were audible gasps and groans in the arena. Uh, of course, we knew nothing about the Mikhail Bridges trade at this time, so we didn't even know that was a possibility. And then, uh, two, we thought there was a potential of him falling to 16. I know that once we got to past Chicago and New York, I thought, "Oh, is Michael Porter Jr. going to be available at 16?"
3: Yeah, and you know he's a great. High risk, high reward prospect, and I would definitely crown the Nuggets as one of the winners of the draft for taking the initiative and drafting him. Absolutely, um, I'm just I'm just glad with what we did with Bridges. Um, not not a knock on Porter Jr. at all. Still like the pick for the Nuggets, but our first two picks again, McDonough hit a home run. And um and he hit a home run with a Kobo too. So let's move on to what we did at uh, thirty one.
1: This pick was not traded. I thought for sure that there would be some sort of trade package with sixteen and thirty one. We ended up picking three rookies after all and, and moved to that Miami pick instead. So we ended up with Elia Kobo. He's from France, he's French, he played in a French league, he's six three 180 pounds, he shoots off the dribble. Very athletic. Uh, Some of the downsides that people have said, I, I haven't watched a lot of his film, but some of the downsides people have talked about is he's not the greatest ball handler maybe a little loose with his ball handling. They have said that he is active off the ball. I feel like playing with Devin Booker is a good fit. If he's not the greatest ball handler, Devin Booker can handle the main ball handling duty, and if he's active off the ball, uh, he can do that, but he does shoot off the dribble. That is an important skill, and one thing I love, he's a lefty, a lefty guard. I love lefty guards. You know I was a huge Dragic fan, so I'm a big fan of that. What do you think of Eli Kobo?
3: Yeah, Kobo, he wasn't my first choice. I, I will say that off the bat because DeAnthony Melton was still available there, and with all the craze that's been going on recently about Suns fans wanting to trade for Patrick Beverly and sort of change the defensive culture of this team I really thought Melton even with his concerns about having virtually no jump shot right now would have been a really good choice to pair uh, in the backcourt with Booker mm-hmm. that being said no concerns at all about a Kobo. I was concerned about taking him at 16 but at 31 I think he's a fantastic pick um you
1: did yeah most of the drafts had
3: him in the 20s yeah. it's, it's great that he kind of fell Yeah to he us. really it, him and Melton both fell farther than I thought they would um, but he, you talked about his sort of playmaking as as a bit of a weakness. He finished with a one point eight assist to turnover ratio, which is not very good. It's sort of in that Brandon Knight territory. And as a prospect, mm-hmm. I think he's kind of similar to Aaron Holiday, who we talked about at length uh, last week. Who I really did not want the Suns to take with the 16th pick, but as a 31st pick, that type of prospect I mm-hmm. think makes a lot more sense. Akobo is six three, like you said, but he's got a six eight wingspan, so that amount of length is Definitely going to make him a capable defender, at least with the tools to do it. Not necessarily the uh, decision-making or IQ yet, but he has the measurables. Uh, And he's just a great shooter. I mean, that's one of the biggest uh, strengths of his game. He shot 48% from the field, 40% from three, and 82% from the free throw line. And I don't think it—I wouldn't hesitate to say that sometimes his shooting can be Trey Young-esque, not in the sense that I really expect him (laughs) to— come out and you know be pulling up from 30 feet in the NBA I think uh his coaches are going to get really mad at him if he does that but if you look at his film he does have the potential to be a really talented scorer off the dribble potentially um from three-point range as well Mm -hmm. and so he's going to be a guy who can come in and uh, space the floor pretty much immediately
1: one thing he's got is that stepdaddy step back James Harden move The sort of rock step left, rock step right, step back, travel kind of. Some people call it a travel. And then shoot off the dribble move. That's a very valuable move. Who knows if he can do it. At any high level, but the fact that it's already part of his arsenal—that's a good sign. He he has the ability to, uh, you know, do that kind of move. We'll see how effective he is. It's it's the thirty-first pick, so we can't expect uh, high things. I did see Evan Sidery, one of the uh, Suns reporters, uh, did say he thought we drafted three potential starters. I don't know that I agree with that about Elia Kobo just yet, but. Uh, We also don't have a great point guard on our roster yet, so uh, it's not crazy to say that by the end of the season, he could be competing for that uh, role. Of course, I don't know if you've seen Brandon Knight's Instagram lately. He seems to be working out every single day. I'm actually pretty excited to see what Brandon Knight brings to the table next year.
3: Yeah, so here's the question for you now. We have a Kobo. We thought maybe we were going to trade that pick, but we didn't. And so we now have four point guards on the roster between Knight, Akobo, Ulyss, and Shaq Harrison. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if they drafted Kobo, they're bringing him onto the roster. And it does sound like Akobo, although before people were talking about maybe he's a draft and stash candidate, um, he does want to come over and play next season. So it looks like he's probably going to play. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Suns are going into the season with four point guards. So uh, mm-hmm. are they giving the ax to Ulyss or Harrison or potentially even both and then bringing in a different third type of guy in through free agency or a trade? Right that i've thought a lot about and it's a difficult conversation because
1: as we know devin booker and tyler ulis are very close but in my mind it should be tyler ulis tyler Eulis has an unguaranteed contract what i'm interested in is the guaranteed date for tyler ulis's contract because it's after if it's after the uh devin booker uh extension, then maybe maybe we know the answer to that question. Maybe they get Devin Booker on, on a five-year deal and then cut Tyler Ulis at that point. But uh, I can't imagine that would make him very happy. I really liked Shaq Harrison at the end of the season. I feel like he brought that kind of intensity, the kind of dog that we lost in P.J. Tucker, the fight that we need. Of course, now maybe we can get from Mikhail Bridges and, of course, Josh Jackson, maybe a little bit from DeAndre Ayton as well, depending on what you believe about him. Uh, but Shaq Harrison he he lifted the spirits of the team he was out there diving for balls he he did the kind of things that a lot of players don't like to do and that's infectious so I, I wouldn't really like to lose a player like that but I have a feeling it's going to be Shaq Harrison I think you've got to hang
3: on to Tyler Eulis to, to keep your star player happy. I'm going to be very uh, upset with McDonough if that ends up happening because I really liked Shaq Harrison at the end of last season, even though we weren't winning games, just what you were talking about, Mike, his ability to dive for balls. He played great defense, um, was averaging, I think, over two steals per 36 minutes. Also had the hops and the wingspan to get up there for blocks. He, you know, gives a little bit of what I was just talking about with, I wanted a guy like uh, DeAnthony Melton at the guard spot. And Harrison provides Mm -hmm. a little bit of that already in what we have on the roster. So Ulyss had a good two-year trial run with the Suns. Uh, and he has some definite skills. If he had a three-point shot, this would be a much easier decision, but I just don't see how you can succeed because on offense, Eulis needs to have the ball in his hands in order to be effective, but you can be even more effective by just bypassing him completely and giving the ball to Devin Booker instead. And on defense, you mm-hmm. know we talk about switch-heavy defenses in the NBA these days. Teams are going to switch on Tyler Eulis every time, and they've got the mismatch, and there's just nothing he can do about it. Or a guy like Shaq Harrison can attempt to neutralize that so I think it's an easy decision and I think the arrival of a Kobo in Phoenix should mean the departure of Ulyss Uh, but I guess we're we'll Mm -hmm. just have to stay tuned
1: yeah Ulyss is kind of a fan favorite by some fans I know that he hasn't been the most effective but it always is kind of fun to watch the smallest guy on the floor uh, play really hard (laughs) so it is kind of fun to watch him but uh, the godfather Gambo actually did report that we did draft Kova with a plan of bringing him over next year. He actually still is under contract in the league that he is in, but the Suns do plan on buying him out with the intention of bringing him on the team next year. So that decision will have to be made very soon. So I guess we'll have to find out in the next uh, month or two
3: yep. here. And uh, again, we had just quickly one more pick that still hasn't been picked, by the way. But uh, on our next episode, we'll be sure to talk about whoever the Suns took uh, with the 59th pick or if they traded it whatever updates there are regarding that.
1: Yeah. A few more things I want to talk about Uh, right off the bat. Just a straight up question. Is this the greatest draft in Phoenix Suns history? What do you
3: think? Uh, We certainly could look back on it and call it that. Jokingly, there was someone, and I apologize because I don't remember who it was, but jokingly, I saw a comment in the Suns Reddit (laughs) of someone who said we drafted the next David Robinson Kawhi Leonard and Tony Parker all in one night which first of all is funny because we were talking about Spurs supremacy um, last week but also it's just you know it, it's a bit ridiculous but also if you mm-hmm. look at the highest ceiling projection for mm-hmm. each of the prospects we took theoretically there's like a minuscule chance that I guess that could that could happen you never know um, but no I'd be wary of being of calling it the best Suns draft of all time just because I have flashbacks to two years ago when we took Chris, Bender and Ulysses and everyone was saying that we were mm-hmm. the team that won won the draft that night. And then two years later, we're talking about how disappointed we are in both Bender and Chris and how Tyler Ulis should be leaving the team. So, you know, I'm wary of, yep. of saying that this was the best draft ever. But as of right now, today, with the players that we took, I, I couldn't really be happier. Yeah,
1: I completely agree. It's difficult to judge, of course, this close to the draft. But this is one of the best, I would say, so far. I Just the moves that were made... The guarantee at number one, it's a nice time to be a Suns fan, especially after the last eight seasons. Um, Now, the last thing I want to talk about before we start to go here is, did you see Joel Embiid's tweet?
3: Yes. And I can't wait to see Aiton dunk his ass back to Cameroon in the first... (laughs) uh, Okay, you explain the context.
1: Yes. For those who did not see it, uh, Joel Embiid said, don't compare me to Aiton. I play defense, and that was it. Unprompted, of course. Aiton was too busy doing interviews to to tweet or anything. But I love the fact that Joel Embiid is so threatened by Aiton already that he feels the need to trash talk him. Technically, he's a college player, never played a minute in the NBA, and Joel Embiid is already trash Joel talking. He's <laughs> just a troll.
3: I don't even know if that, it's that he's threatened, but he's again, he's just a troll. You've got the added element now of it too because Zaire Smith is going to be a Sixer, and Mikhail Bridges is going to be a Sun. So when these two teams play each other, I think we're really potentially going to have a good rivalry going. The Sixers are probably still going to beat us uh, because they're a, a good team right now. But um, I- I'm excited to see those matchups play out next year for sure.
1: Well, we're going to have to circle the date I'm actually looking for right now of the first time that we play Philadelphia. Uh, and if uh, Joel Embiid is actually healthy for that game, it is on December 4th. Oh no, that was last season. Whoops. Well, if Joel Embiid is healthy the first time the Suns play the 76ers, that's going to be a very, very fun game to watch for two reasons. One, Mikhail Bridges was drafted by Philadelphia. His mom works for the team. He was actually in the middle of doing an interview about how happy he is to stay in Philadelphia when the trade was made. Uh, So Mikhail Bridges knows that the 76ers picked him and then changed their mind, especially with the reporting by Gamble. We know it wasn't a decision made ahead of time. We know it was a last-minute decision. They changed their mind. Uh, And then, of course, we have the trash-talking directly between uh, Aiton. Well, it's going only one direction between Embiid and Aiton, but it'll be interesting to see how Aiden in response to that already i was looking forward to seeing those two guys battle but with this added trash talk element it's it's kind of on another level of hype for me
3: yeah it's going to be fun this if anything you know we can't say this is the best sun's draft of all time yet but this is going to be the draft that most affects the fan base in terms of like heightening the level of hype for next season i mean i think the sun's fan base is really going to be revitalized a little bit we talked last week about it being a little dormant Uh, We're going to get some national TV games. I think a little bit bit more love from the national media Mm -hmm. going forward. So these are all good things to look forward to if you're a Suns fan. And uh, yeah, again, I'm definitely looking forward to some of these battles. Um, Before we go, let's just talk about some of these other teams and and what they were doing in the draft tonight. I think, Mm -hmm. uh, do you want to start with your opinion on the trade involving Trey Young (laughs) and Nika Doncic?
1: First, I cannot believe that Trey Young went fifth. I don't think there's any way he would have gone fifth Without that trade, I think maybe at the uh, back end of the top 10. Of course, in the last podcast, I did talk about how much I like Trey Young. I actually really like Trey Young a lot. But Luka Doncic is a potential game changing player, he has the potential to be a James Harden. In the NBA, he has the measurable skills similar to James Harden, he's got the passing ability similar to James Harden, and he has the shooting stroke to be a great shooter. Now, he's not a great shooter yet. That's the biggest thing he's got to improve on. But Trey Young is tiny. He's he's undersized. He, he will get beat up on defense. He's got great vision. He has the potential to be an amazing shooter, but... He's going to be a minus on defense 100%. And the idea that they would trade their number three pick, the best asset they've had in a long time, for two potentially worse picks a protected pick that should have been an unprotected pick. I'm sure they asked for it and the trade wouldn't have been made without it. That's probably why it was a last minute pick. I just, I, I just can't believe it. I'm, I'm completely shocked.
3: All right. Well, to take the other side of things and I really like what Atlanta did <laughs> and I admit that they're gambling here because Luka Doncic has the potential to be a generational player, but you know what? So does Trey Young. You say that he's a negative on defense. I agree with you. But he also has the potential to really just change the entire way that their offense operates. And really, I think people are are mm-hmm. overblowing things with that uh, protected pick that they got. If anything, I like that they got a pick from Dallas next year. Dallas is gambling. They're going to go all in with a core of um, of really <laughs> their young core based on Luka Doncic next year and Dennis Smith, Dennis Smith Jr. I mean, they don't have much else uh, towards oh. their young core. So next year...
1: <laughs> it's yeah, not it's great. not
3: great and next year they're not going to be that good of a team. Maybe their pick even falls into that protected range and Atlanta has to wait another year. But mm-hmm. I think it's likely that next year Atlanta, in addition to being pretty bad themselves and uh, getting a good pick, they're also going to get a pick from Dallas that's in the 6 to 10 range or at least certainly a lottery pick because there's no way that Doncic is going to be such a high impact player his rookie year that he leads Dallas to the playoffs. So, really I th- I think it's a-, a decent move by Atlanta and if we want to talk about them more generally, I really like what they did in the first and the early second round, going all in on a, embracing the modern NBA and just taking players that can flat-out shoot. They sort of picked the, the like, ugly version of the Splash Bros with Trey Young and then Kevin Herter. Who, Kevin Herter's a 42% three-point shooter, who they took him uh, 19th, I believe. So that's your point guard and your shooting guard right there. And then you look a little bit later, they took Amari Spellman, 30th, a floor-spacing power forward, and Jalen Brunson, 33rd, Another like backup point guard to Trey Young right there, who's a, a floor spacing point guard. I mean, Herter shot forty two percent from three point range in college. Spellman forty three percent. I like Brunson forty one percent, and Trey Young is Trey Young. So this team, their defense might be terrible for the next few years, but they are going all out in approaching this uh, floor spacing mentality, and and I think it's really ambitious and and something that they should get applauded for actually.
1: Well, what I will say is, at least. Even though they gave up one of the best assets they've had in years, they probably will be back there next year. I can't imagine they're going to win a lot of a lot of games. No I mean. way.
3: No. No way. I mean, I really like the core they've assembled in such a short time. All those guys that I just mentioned, but they're going to be a terrible team next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder what's going to happen to Dennis Schroeder as well. I mean, this you know, tr- taking both Trey Young and Jalen Brunson, there, there's no way that Schroeder's going to still be in Atlanta next season.
1: Well, it, it a lot of how successful this trade is does sort of depend on one, if that pick conveys and two, how valuable the draft that it conveys in is because we're eventually going to right now, it's essentially a Luka Doncic for Trey young swap. And then we don't know what the other uh, player will be. So it really can't be judged for at least a year, maybe a couple of years, but I just, I, I with how good Luka Doncic could be, I would not have done that. It felt a lot like a trade made by an owner to me and not a general manager. Trey Young looks like a great player, <laughs> and he could be a great player. That's just the type of players that general or that owners usually want to 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 get. Now, one thing I will say too, since we're on the conversation of Luca, the Suns play the Mavericks in summer league. We're gonna get to see Mikhail Bridges guarding Luka Doncic.
3: Yeah, and the the Suns Mavs rivalry, if you go back to the mid two thousands, was so fun. Uh, so just so fun to watch, and it'd be nice to see that revitalized a little bit as well if we just have Aiden and Doncic going at each other for, for the next several years. So that's definitely something to look forward to in Summer League, uh, and I'm sure it's going to get a lot of hype behind it as well.
1: Yeah, that Suns-Mavs rivalry, I don't know that it's quite the same because Devin Booker kills them. He absolutely <laughs> destroys yeah. them.
3: Uh, you know in here but
1: wesley johnson's supposed to be a good defender right sorry not wesley johnson uh, wesley matthews Matthews is supposed to be a good defender and devin booker killed yeah
3: wesley matthews has lost a couple of steps since his blazers days that's for sure
1: (laughs) yeah well he did tears achilles i believe so no that that takes some time to get over
3: that'll definitely do it you know i'm rooting for the Mavs, despite them being a rivalry it was always like a situation where in the mid-2000s like you go uh, how can you hate dirk Nowitzki? Mm -hmm. you know like you, you had games against the Spurs and you just mm-hmm. fucking hated the Spurs because they had Bowen and Ori uh, and, and Ginobili was flopping. And then, you know, Pop mm-hmm. would be there on the sidelines or be be an asshole to the reporters uh, during the timeouts. And then after the game, they'd be like, <laughs> you know, Bowen kicked like three guys in the nuts. Right. And he'd be like, well, you know, I don't know. He's just playing the right way. And the media would jerk him off. Sorry to go on a, a tangent there about how much <laughs> I hate the Spurs again. My point being... um. The, the Mavs were always a team that you know you like respected even when they beat us um and and hopefully that rivalry can come back again because those were some fun times
1: absolutely now any any other teams that you want to talk about before
3: we go here uh just a couple uh, there's there's no no other major moves i think atlanta really caught a lot of the attention there with that move but um boston getting robert williams to fall all the way to 27 uh, supposedly there's some health risks associated with him and there's also the potential that he's just uh, an immature guy But I think Boston is the perfect system for a player like that. because It's it's really unfair. Yeah, the Clint Capella um, comparisons may be a little cliche. You know, it may fit too perfectly because both of them were taken 27th. But really, that is sort of the type of player that we're talking about with Robert Mm -hmm. Williams. So if you get that behind Al Horford, that's a really dangerous combination. Um, I already gave some praise to Denver for drafting Michael Porter Jr. at 14th. Um, And then another tandem I liked, uh, Memphis took Jaron Jackson Jr. and Javon Carter. Uh, In the Mm -hmm. early first and second round, I think that really continues with what their philosophy has been for a long time, which is grit and grind defense first. Um, And so, you know, I respect them sticking with their guns there. I like that combo of players going forward. But you know who really won the draft? It's the Suns. It's us. Suns. No, I mean, you know, in terms of <laughs> real winners, yeah, you just, I, I didn't even think I had to say it. You know, I was just yeah, talking about things nice that, we, that we hadn't talked about yet, but no, we won the draft. I mean, let's revel in it a little bit, Suns fans. I really think we did. Maybe we're going to look like idiots a couple years from now, but I really think Mikael Bridges is a, <laughs> is a pretty surefire prospect to get in the top 10. DeAndre Ayton as well. And Elia Kovo has star potential uh, if he lives up to his absolute ceiling. So. This is a great night to be a Suns fan. Just enjoy it. Pamper yourself a little bit and get ready for summer league.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about these players a lot over the next few weeks before the season starts. And then hopefully the next 10 years. Uh, But that'll be it for this episode. Free agency, July 1st. That's the next thing that happens down the NBA pike here. We'll be talking about free agency very
3: soon. Look for that episode early next week. Make sure to give us a follow at Twitter at The Timeline Pod.